Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. I am Rachel Woody, and I'm here with Phil Girardet. Did I say yep. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At Girardet Winery here yep. in the Umpqua region. And I'm here to ask Phil quite a few questions, actually, about the history of uh-huh. the region and, of, of course, your origins. Mm-hmm. So with that, let me start with why wine? What? Why wine? Why, how or why, oh, why did you wine? get into it? Yes. Well, it's, uh, it's a difficult question to answer simply because um, um, I don't know where to begin. See, uh, I come from a wine region in Switzerland. I had an uncle who was uh, who had a vineyard for his restaurant and was making wine for his restaurant. But I was not that interested to go in that direction at the time because in Europe it's all regulated. You cannot plant what you want, you have to plant what's approved. So you have no possibility of being creative and being uh, uh, doing what some, something special. You know, my, my idea of making wine is to make something different and unique. And, and possibly better than uh, than what's being done, you see. And you can you cannot do it in Europe because it's too regulated, you see. So when I saw I saw the possibility in America, see, I um, I didn't think about this. I was an engineer myself. I was designing instrument for chemistry at uh, at Caltech Pasadena, and. Uh, I didn't think of going to wine business at the time, but on vacation one day, we came vacation in, in Oregon, and they discovered Hillcrest in 68. Mm-hmm. It was the first winery, and it started in 63. And I tasted this wine, and I realized the potential was great here, and uh, it was not, uh, it was the only winery there, and I didn't like Napa Valley and all these places because to me that was so commercial and kind of, uh, I don't know, somehow, somehow I cannot I can find the right word, maybe crass, you know, um, just commercial. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't go in the wine business to Sure, I, I was planning to hopefully make some kind of a living, but I was not doing it to become wealthy or to become big or to, you see. I, I really did it because I, am cu- I was curious about making an extraordinary wine, which the back of Noir is, uh, oh, they left? <laughs> yes, they are doing the digital stuff. Oh, they're doing the digital, yeah. I was going to taste the wine with them, you know. I think they enjoyed it quite immensely, actually. Shall we taste it a little bit? Yes. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) 
That is beautifully rich. See, this wine is not aggressive. Mm -hmm. What I call aggressive, astringent. And yet it has enough, <clears throat> it has enough body to stand up. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? And also a thing you may not notice right away, it, um, it's very, uh, very pleasant in your stomach. It, it's not a, a wine that's going to drill a hole in your stomach mm -hmm. because it has, I don't understand it, it has something special in the tannin that make it very um, acceptable. It's, and it's a wine that, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I'll say it just the same. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's not a wine like Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is kind of a finicky wine. You know, you have to, it's kind of not, it doesn't talk to you right away. To me, the Baco Noir talked to me right away. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's figure of speech, you know. Uh, By the way, um, uh, Richard Sommer from Ilkras was a very nice guy. That's kind of a parenthesis. But there's something funny about it, and I say, funny, it doesn't look American, and um, doesn't behave like one American. He doesn't talk much, he couldn't explain things you know, in detail. <clears throat> and when I talked to him, I realized that his, his mother was American, but his father was from the German side of Switzerland. Oh, wow. Um, by golly, Richard Sommer still behaved like a German Swiss. Very, the German Swiss are kind of like, like the Swede. They are introverted. They are not, you know, they don't explain things in general. And with Richard Summer for you, you know. Hmm. Amazing. And he, I don't even think I don't know if he's been in Switzerland even. He's only been he's been raised in San Francisco. His oh, father okay. was teaching chemistry there. And um, just the influence of his father or is it genetic? I don't know. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's a, a funny parenthesis to do about Richard Sommer. But I should say he was a very nice guy. He was always ready to help you if you need some help. But he couldn't explain things, you see. Hmm. And he was the only guy who, who I could get from, for advice because I didn't know what the conditions were here, you know. I kind of, mm -hmm. This was new to me. And. Um, the, the beginning were very, um, how we say that, scratch your head, you know, you'd wonder what, if you're doing it right or not, you see. Right. Yeah, it was, it was pretty difficult. And when I saw all the other guys who came plant vineyard and there was a, I forget his name even now, he's completely disappeared. He started in, um, in Willamette Valley. Big idea, big one, big building, new building, new press, everything new. And three, three years later, he was broke. Mm -hmm. He could do it, you know. So this big idea, what the heck they are thinking, you know? 
well, well, same thing. It was the same thing with um, that winery in uh, in uh, Salem now, which is called Willamette Valley. Mm -hmm. The they had um, stock. The issue stock. So this started big with three million dollars. You know, I'm sure they made a nice winery and lots of wine. But then say, hey, oh, we, how can we wine? You say all this. We need some help. We don't have enough money. We cannot, we cannot market that wine. And they were lucky that a lot of the stock auctioneer became salesman because they didn't want to lose their stock. You see? Right. But it's a, it's another case. If you go big too fast, no good. Mm -hmm. No good. So. Anyway, that's, I, sh uh, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe ask me some question, where sure. should I go now? <laughs> sure. How did you go about choosing this piece of land? It took me a year. I, uh, what I did, I rented a house in Oakland near, uh, near Roseburger. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time looking for land. It took me a year with real estate. Real estate I had no idea what he was asking for, you know, incredible dumb. And um, finally I found it. And in the meantime, what he was doing, I was repairing the house I was in. Oh, because I had the option to buy it with all the rent going to the down payment. Mm. And the payment was only $4,500. <laughs> the house, the 4500, it was an old historical house in Oakland. The neighbors, oh, this house is just good to put a match to it, you know. And I said, well, well, we'll see. So after I finished fixing it, I put a foundation on it. And I put it in the market for 12.5, thinking it was a good price, you know. I sold it in a week. And then these people, they just living it for two years. They did nothing. They sold it for eighteen thousand. Wow! I mean, running down for two years, and the people who bought it make newly put new electricity, put a bathroom upstairs, put a swimming pool on the side of the, of the house. Uh, this is right downtown on on local, on uh, Main Street there, and um, they sold it for eighty-five thousand dollars. A house to the neighbor thought it was good to burn down. That's incredible. Yeah, because it's a historical house. Dang, you know, amazing, <laughs> huh? Yeah. So I found this land by looking hard, you know, it took me a long time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, my wife was pregnant at the time with our first baby. And, um, oh, by the way, I should tell you how I met my wife, to see how crazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, please do. When I was at Caltech, I got transferred from chemistry to astrophysics. In astrophysics, I designed the saw to cut the rock for the moon. And uh, there, my wife's secretary, her mother was the secretary of the department, so on coffee break, say, oh, I'd like to meet your daughter, you know. And she saw she come on vacation next week. She said, well, 
and meet her. So we got a blind date with her. Mm -hmm. We went to a restaurant. When she came out of the house, I knew it was going to be my wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. You just knew by seeing her? Huh? You just knew by seeing her? Just by seeing her. We talked and it just confirmed my, my impression. Mm -hmm. Just confirmed my impression that was the one. And um, 10 days later, we were married. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing, she, she was raised in, in Pasadena. She was born, she was born in, uh, near Chicago. But she came when she was five years old to Pasadena. And so she's been in, in town all the time. But a test at school said that she should have been a farmer. She mm. should be a farmer. <laughs> when she was 14 years old. <laughs> I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but she enjoyed uh, the country, you know, the life in the country. She enjoyed it. Yeah. <coughs> so anyway... No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going sidetrack now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Quite all right. It's wherever you want the story to go. Well, I don't really know where to go, you know. I'm, I'm kind of going this way and that way. I don't want to go too far on attention. I have another question for you. Yeah? When you got started, who were some of the other people getting started around the same time? I know you mentioned Richard Summer, and then... There was, uh, let's see, there was Bielan. Bielan, he was right there about two miles up, up on the, the hill, but he was... He was originally, origin, originally from Norway. I mean, his parents were from Norway, from, from the east. And he was a Norwegian. You know the joke, you can always tell a Norwegian, but you cannot tell him much. <laughs> you know, he knew everything about every, everything, you know. He knew it all. Mm -hmm. and, um, his winery was, uh, he made wine, atrocious wine, and he had the gall to, he had, once he had a party with some people, and he bring them the wine and says, oh, is that a good wine? I said, well, awful, you know. And he thought it was good. It's crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he tried many things. He opened a French restaurant on the coast, one here in, uh, in Rosberg, a French restaurant from a Swedish guy, you know, from a, from a Norwegian guy. You know. Didn't go over well. It, it, it's something, he was weird. Yeah. He was okay, but he was nice otherwise. But you couldn't tell him anything, you know. Mm. Yeah. So that was the, the one that was with my time. And uh, also, very near after he planted, uh, Henry started to plant a vineyard too. Henry in, in Amqua there. So they were, uh, that was one, and then after that, much more started to plant in, uh, in Willamette and everywhere. Mm. And gradually more and more. And I knew that was gonna come, you know. I, matter of fact, I predict that in 20 years from now, Oregon will be very reputed for wine, you know, because we, uh, if we stop making some so-so wine, we will have a good, a good reputation. Mm -hmm. But 
and we can make, you know, uh, how to say it? I think the main reason to do a good wine, you have, of course, you have to have the right piece of land. You know, it has to be at the right place. But the soil is not that important. It's more, more what's important is the orientation of the land. And um, because here they have some lousy soil in some places, you know, but the grapes are outstanding. Mm -hmm. You know, the, we we did Chardonnay this year. It's fantastic. That's a flavor, incredible. You know, matter of fact, one of our Chardonnay wines won the People's Choice at the Greatest of the Grape. Um, you have to have that, and you have to have. A kind of a mysterious quality, like like the gardener has a green tomb. Hmm. If you don't have a green tomb, don't plant a garden. You know what I mean? You can explain to Jill, you blew in the face how to plant to somebody who doesn't have a green tomb, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's a little bit like that, you know? It's So it's making good wine is both a science and an art. It's not just a science, a, a newer. A doctor, an MD, he had a winery in Rosberg. His wine was tasting like uh, coming from an hospital. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To, I don't know what, I don't know what the hell it was doing. It's too sterile, you know? I don't know. So, it's not profession you have, it's the quality you have, I think, that make a good wine, you know. Uh, Sometimes I'm, I'm so puzzled, I think, um, it's like Patty Green. Patty Green make outstanding wine, you know. She, she goes crazy about, she's doing 12 varieties of Pinot Noir. I said, don't you think you're, uh, you're going crazy about doing all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. you know. I mean, it's too much, mm -hmm. you know. Exaggerated. But anyway, that's a pleasure. That's let her, let her have it, you know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Everybody should do what they want. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sun, the, I always say the sun shines for everybody. <laughs> You know? Right. Yeah. So. What are some of the varieties that you think will do best in Southern Oregon or have done best? There is, we planted some Temporanillo and some Shiraz. And um, we had, he brought a bottle of Shiraz to a group of uh, winemaker not too long ago. Oh, there was a they bottle of different wine on. They thought that Shira was the best wine of the evening, mm. you know, very uh, special. But I don't know if it's because of my sight or it's because of his skill or um, sometimes I wonder if there's not another mysterious factor, you know, that uh, that playing a role in all these things. It's. Um, Beside that, that's an aside of uh, what we're talking about now. It's about my philosophy about life. <laughs> See, 
there's a big confusion in the world between knowledge and observation. We mistakenly uh, say, oh, I know, or like, I know that man. You don't know that man. You recognize him. You don't know what he think even. He doesn't even know himself what he think, mm. you see? So the verb knowing is, is not right, see? Like, we observe that oxygen and hydrogen, what they do when we put them together? They make water. Mm -hmm. What? Two very dangerous gases make something as safe and heavy as water? Doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it. I observe it, but I don't understand it. And some sense it's, oh, it's because of molecular attraction. Oh, yes. And what is molecular attraction? What is it? Mm -hmm. Nobody knows, you know? So, we, we, uh, when we realize this, that makes us much more humble and modest, mm -hmm. you know, about, uh, about life, that we're really babes in the world, I think, you know. I think there's great mystery in the world and we should consider as mystery, and this way, we will get deeper into this mystery and understand them better, you know? Mm -hmm. But knowing them completely, probably not. Only God could, you know, but we can't, you see? So that's kind of my overall philosophy about the world, you know? It's full of, uh, full of things like this. And uh, I like the Korzybski, um, Theory of words, theory of uh, communication. His famous word was, the map is not the territory. In order of many, of much detail you can put in the map, it's never going to be the territory. Mm -hmm. See? And words are like this. Words are, are a metaphor. See? They are not the real thing. If I say this is a table, that doesn't describe that. That table, there's many kind of table, you know. It's not. We don't even know. If we talk about wood or iron or what. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why communication are so misunderstood or misheard because we don't realize that everything is approximation. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> so. Anyway, maybe you should come back and wine, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wine and philosophy of life, I think, are very closely intertwined. <laughs> <laughs> Wine's a constant reminder that God loves you and wants you to be happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak to me about your children. I know that Mark is involved in the winery now. Mark is very fortunate because I never pushed any of my children in a direction because they wanted to come to do their own thing because I have been seeing too much of that manipulation in Europe, you know, and I've seen too many people doing, being stuck their whole life in something they hated, mm. you know, because of that. So he came to the wine business just by his own, his own decision, not by me, you mm -hmm. see. And he is, uh, <clears throat> I should confess, is uh, 
probably a better winemaker than me. You know? Have you told him that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, even though sometimes he has behavioral thing that uh, I would don't think is too wise, you know, because, uh, but um, that's him, you know. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be the, the dicta dictatorial father, you mm -hmm. know what I mean, that say, my children should do what I want, you know, and all that stuff. <clears throat> so. <laughs> She's going to take candid photographs of us. Candid Yes, bushes. now she's hiding. Very good job. <laughs> so, is Mark the only one involved in the wine industry? No, my my other daughter is uh, my um, my second daughter is involved, and she's uh, um, well. A lot of things are happening with her. She just got married a little over a month ago. Oh wow, congratulations. Yeah. Finally she found somebody that that I think will go well with her. And lo and behold she's pregnant. Wow, congratulations again. Yeah. She's 30, 32 or thirty-three. It's about time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I hope you didn't tell her that. <laughs> no no. I yeah, okay. <laughs> Just something that they won't tell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, she works in a vineyard. She's a very good tall worker. Mm -hmm. Very good woman. Incredible. And um, she has a good head on her shoulder. And she she does, she can think like she can, uh, she has a flat tire, she can change her tire herself. She changed the oil in her car. Mm -hmm. You know, she understands all these things. You don't have to explain to her. Like like Mark. Mark also is an intuitive about mechanic, you know. Like I am. And um, uh, my my first son, my oldest son, not at all mechanical, is uh, is like my wife was. No idea how everything works. No idea. <laughs> you could explain to him when you're blue in the face, he doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know. And my my second child which is a daughter, she's married in um, she's in Green District, she has uh, three kids. Mm -hmm. She married a boy a boyfriend from school. Yeah. Well speak to me more about your wife. Which she, I imagine, was very involved. Hmm? I imagine your wife was very involved in the winery and getting the business going. She did a tremendous amount of work. She's uh, around the vineyard too, you know. Mm -hmm. Not so much in the wine, she, even though she, she knew wine and she liked wine because she, uh, she went to Spain and she, when she was teaching in California, she went with lots of people who like wine too, so she knew good wine. 
Yeah, you appreciate that, so she, she thought it was a good idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was um, I mean, that's going back into this uh, disease. Her mother died of Alzheimer, and it's clear she got similar disease. And I think myself, I read a lot about these diseases. More and more doctors now think this is diabetes number three. Really? It's diabetes of the brain. The brain cannot process sugar. Like diabetes number two, your body don't process that. It's sugar resistance, insulin resistance. And uh, see if your insulin, if your brain cannot process sugar, the, the brain is the biggest consumer of sugar of your body. If it doesn't work, your brain doesn't take weight. Mm. Simple as that. Well, it's not simple, but uh, I mean, the cause are, are obvious in my book. And another good I mean, good, you should say, bad, bad factors, which is a factor that a lot of people have, is stress. Mm-hmm. She didn't know how to cope with stress. She came from a family, pretty Anglo-Saxon, where we don't talk about our problem or what bothers us. Mm-hmm. You see, she didn't know how to let, let her, uh, her stress go. And, uh, Sometimes she she uh, drank too much to get over stress, which is very bad when you have Alzheimer's. Right. You should not touch alcohol if your brain is defective, you know, because uh, diabetes and all these things would uh, will make it worse. And she would never hear. Many times I told her, when are you going to resign your job as director of the universe? <laughs> you know? Yeah. She didn't understand it. She didn't... She, she, there's some, something in my wife sometime, it was like, there's some part, some, uh, some compartments in her life, it was close, mm-hmm. see? The other side was pretty nice, but some there were close. That's a tragedy. Yeah. Well, I guess everybody has their uh, shortcoming. Hmm? Yes, we certainly all have our things that we could improve upon. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me shift gears Mm -hmm. and talk about the wine industry in general, especially for Oregon. How have you seen it evolve and where do you see it going? it's funny, you know, that's uh, I'm a poor answerer to answer that because I am not um, I'm not watching what's going on in the industry too much. I'm not interested. See, myself, I'm not interested as as. Uh, making a fortune, I'm interested in doing something special, mm-hmm. you see. So, it doesn't bother me too much if uh, the industry is uh, slowing down a little bit. Um, I, I suspect some little winery that's starting just now, they must have a hard time because it's hard to penetrate a market 
right now it's saturated, you know. And if they do so-so wine, if it's not top-notch, very hard to penetrate. So I am very concerned about these wineries that are making a so-so wine mm. that, that are not stringent enough about controlling their quality. See, I think that's, um, that's how life is, you know, the people who take care, the pay attention succeed, the one who, who mess up, they, they don't succeed, you know, it's, uh, so I cannot really foresee, I foresee a great future in general, but for some people, I, I foresee a lot of uh, hardship. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, of course, if Americans were starting to drink wine like European, we couldn't produce enough wine, nobody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> See yes. what I mean? Mm -hmm. We couldn't. So, so, to survive, you have to make some good wine, which is precisely what I'm interested to producing. I, I'm not interested in producing quantity of so-so wine, you know, like mm -hmm. some people, they produce jillions of bottles of something, you know, and it's just, it's okay, but it's nothing special, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's not the way to go. But personally, of course, I'm sure these kind of people will disagree with me completely, and that's their right, you know. Um, boy, it's a puzzle to me, you know, it's a, yeah. <clears throat> even though in general, if I don't go into the detail, I think we have a great future. I think Oregon has a great future because, you know, we're a sister with a, Rosberg is sister with a, a city in, in Spain where they do the Tempranillo grape wine. They come visit us sometime and they told us you have the true Spanish weather, summer here. Oh, how interesting. See, who would have known? Right. I remember the county agent from the university said, he was saying here, the local agent, we cannot grow grape in Oregon. He was convinced. Mm -hmm. See? Ding! <laughs> educated beyond their intelligence. Right. I think a lot of people are educated beyond their intelligence, you know. It's uh, because, I mean, there's some people, there's a fellow, I forget his name, he's Russian, in, um, I think it's New York State or. Someplace in the east, I think it's New York State, he's growing some uh, vinifera grape there. See? But he is extremely careful about maintaining them and keeping them clean and healthy. And he succeeds. Mm -hmm. But most people would not succeed. The reason he succeeds is because he's extremely. Um, Attention, pay, pay lots of attention, you know. So, 
See what I mean? Everything mm -hmm. is possible. So, what would bother me is uh, if the quality in general of the wine of Oregon doesn't raise up, that would bother me very much because that would give a bad name to Oregon, you know? Mm -hmm. the, the tourists say, we no use to go there. See what I mean? Right. If we want to attract tourists, we build a good, good stuff. Mm -hmm. We sell albaco, albaco noir in Washington, D.C. Do you? $65 a bottle in a restaurant. Wow, I believe it. It's delicious. See? Yeah. But of course, New York, I mean, Washington, Washington, D.C., it's a special case because all the people are crazy over there. They so have mon so much money, they don't have any judgment, you know? I agree with you. In yeah. fact, we just moved back from D.C. My husband and I were there for four years. We lived in D.C. Oh. And it, yes, yeah. people are crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, because the government have skewed all values. Mm. All values are upsy-turvy. And they think this poor politician there I say poor because they're rich. They're rich, this rich, poor politician, I should say, they don't know what they're doing. Mm -mm. It's kind of like Jesus said, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And he was, he was talking about the most educated people of, of, uh, of uh, Israel, of right. Judah. Mm -hmm. The most educated of they didn't even know what to do itself. You know? Because that's the problem, see, you can be educated and you can be stupid. <laughs> At Caltech, I saw lots of people that have their PhD and their doctor already. And as human beings, they're a disaster. Mm -hmm. You know, they have no intelligence by themselves. They're, they're, they're educated beyond their intelligence. That's why education in case like this can be dangerous because there's no good sense behind it. Mm -hmm. To I don't know, for lack of, I can't explain it better, you know, but I, I know what I mean, but I can't explain right, it. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah. It's, mm -hmm. Were you involved with things like the Oregon Wine Growers Association or other events? Not very much, not because, you see, because that's, that's my fault. It's because I, when I was a school children in Switzerland, I hated school. Mm. And when, I, when I'm on a group of meetings, I feel like I'm back in school and I hate it. Mm. You see, so I try to avoid as much big group contact as possible. I mean, well, a group like like the greatest the grape, okay, because there's no... But when there is a conference and you have to listen to people who, who talk and blah, 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 and <laughs> some of them say something not interesting at all, so then you have to support, to stand all these things, that bug me, you see. Mm -hmm. So, I am a very poor... Um, civil servant in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> see? All right. Yeah, it's uh, because uh, this, I have to listen to teacher in Switzerland that was so boring, mm. and I was convinced they were telling me a bunch of 
bank, mm -hmm. you know, not not real, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it was not your thing, huh? It was not your thing. That was not my thing, and uh, <clears throat> I was considered stupid at school because I didn't listen. You mm -hmm. see, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the, all that garbage. Was, uh, if I listen a little bit, oh, this is crazy, you know. I always thought, see, I've been questioning, all my life I've been questioning everything, you see. Even in my own self, you know, all the, the reality they have acquired, see. Is this really true? Is this really real? Or is it just an idea I have? You know, is this a bunch of ballonets, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been questioning all... I mean, it's like in, in Switzerland, in my state, in Switzerland, there was Sunday school, I mean, a biblical school. One hour biblical school every week. And uh, when uh, reading the Bible, it doesn't make sense. You know, in Genesis, the Bible says God repented of having created man. What? God the Almighty, all-knowing, knowing the past and the future, knowing everything. Didn't he knew the cre his creation would not succeed? <laughs> Didn't he knew that? Why was he surprised? Why did he repent? You know, he sounded, he sounded like a scientist on a lab, you know, my experience didn't work, I'll wipe it out and start again, you know. That's to me, that's what it starts, it sounds like, mm -hmm. you know. It's the same thing about, you see that tree over there? Don't touch it! <laughs> because it's a tree of good and evil, mm -hmm. you know. Don't touch it! That's what a child is going to do. On a Damanev were just like two children. They had no brain, you know? Mm -hmm. So, what's a child going to do? He's going to press that button and going to see what happens. <laughs> see what I mean? Uh -huh. hmm? So, I think lots of things in the Bible are questionable like this, you know? <clears throat> yeah. For you, what is the best part or your favorite part of growing grapes and making wine? Uh, the best part is to grow a variety that nobody else grows <laughs> <laughs> and make something that nobody else knows or have, have, have tasted. Mm. That's, that's my... I don't know why it kind of... Um, I like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I like, I like the, to see this grape growing and producing. It's kind of a... It's kind of a a symbol of the abundance of God, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's incredible, grapes are incredible because they can, you know there's some grapes that are a thousand years old, no, two thousand years old, they're as old as Jesus Christ around the Mediterranean. Right. You know? I have heard that. They're still living. So, grape are something unique. That's why I think the Bacchonor is something unique. The Bacchonor has quality that are unique. It's also a wine that aged very well. It, it gets better and better as it ages. Mm -hmm. And it, it's drinkable very, very... Six months after you drink, you could technically drink it. It's acceptable. It's uh, incredible, see? So, oh, uh, one, <laughs> I should tell you, 
about the Cayuga. The Cayuga is a grape we planted about 30 years ago from New York. It was, it was developed in New York by Cornell University to try to find grapes that would grow well in New York climate. So me, I read of all these things they are doing, and I said, hmm, that's, this one sounds interesting. So I, uh, I ordered some, mm -hmm. and I planted some here in my vineyard for 30 years now. But I didn't like the flavor of the grapes, so we blended them in other white wine. Oh, interesting. Except the last two years, we did it by itself, and lo and behold, it's a great success. People love it. It has a, I'll give you some, I have some at the, at the wine reader in the tasting room. It's a white wine that tastes unlike any wine I've tasted. Wow. It has a unique flavor. Mm -hmm. And see, to me that pleased me very well that I went to the trouble of doing all this, not knowing exactly if it was going to pay off. And boy, this one pays. Some have, have eliminated because they don't think you're good enough, but some really pays. See? And this another thing is like tobacco, it doesn't have to be sprayed. Really? No spray, no disease, no bug. What, what more do you want? Right. You know? I hate to go on my tractor and spray the sulfur or the vineyard. It stink. You know, it gets in my eyes. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. So, why not more winery don't do that? I don't understand it. <laughs> you see, it's kind of like uh, a big winery would understand because a big winery would risk a lot of money. They could, uh, if they go on a, on a way and do something and it's a, it's a dud, they could lose their shirt. But small winery like us, it doesn't matter. It's just a small part of the whole, you know? Oh, people are not curious. They are just want to do what. What are you planting? Pinot Noir? Okay, I'm going to plant Pinot Noir. You know, like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is something that I haven't asked you that I probably should have? That's a good question. I don't know because <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking and I don't. Uh, I'm kind of foaming at the mouth and I don't pay attention to what uh, I am saying, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> because to me, it doesn't really matter, you know? Uh, if, um, if you're upset by something I said, that's not my problem. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> it's, uh, so I am, uh, myself, I am, I've passed the time of being cautious. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do what I think, what I feel like is right, and I let it fall where it may, you know? <clears throat> That's the nice thing about growing older, you realize that there's a lot of things you don't have to do in life, you know? Right. <laughs> you don't have to make your life so complicated, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar much with the older history? Pro, with, with prohibition or before prohibition, with families like the Dorners who grew wine? Oh, uh, somewhat, because we've been buying grapes from them mm -hmm, oh, sometime. Okay. They have the oldest Zinfandel planting in Oregon from great-grandfather Dorner. 
Right, okay. Yeah, it's still there. And the winery, the old winery is still there as an historical monument. Great. I think we're seeing it tomorrow, actually. Oh, you'll see where he was pressing his... It was very ingenious. He had a, a big um, cubic like this in, in concrete. Mm -hmm. And he put the grape in, the hole on the bottom, put the board on top, and put some barrel on the bar, on the on the on the on the, the board, and then with the creek, with the house, he fill up the barrel. No pump, pre gravity oh. from the creek. Right. Fill up this barrel, and this barrel would press the grape down. Wow. No mechanical device whatsoever. He was making lousy wine, you understand, but uh, he's making wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? So he was the first. He was the, I think he was the first winery, well, maybe commercial winery because you see a lot of, a lot of settlers bought mm. grape with them, you know, the German, the Italian about grape something else, and they planted the grape there, you know. It's like <clears throat> the Mission grape in California, it's a grape the father bought for the mass, for the, because they needed wine for communion, see. And this is a, unfortunately, a pretty lousy, uh, make a pretty lousy wine, you know, that, uh, but it was okay for the mass, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm not, I don't know that much about it, you know. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not that uh, careful about my knowledge on these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. We're starting from scratch, trying to do uh -huh, our research. Uh -huh. So we're asking everybody yeah. what they may know. Well, from all the garbage I told you, you must have a, <laughs> you're going to have a hard time to sort all that out. <laughs> I feel sorry for you. <laughs> no, it'll be quite enjoyable. Oh, good. <laughs> well, is there anybody else that we should be talking to or know about? Hmm. Let's see. Maybe you should talk to the Father Henry, Henry the Father. Okay. Maybe if you can find him, I don't know where he is, but he, he must be around the winery over there. Okay. Maybe you should talk to him. He may have some good idea. He himself came from. Uh, he was an engineer in California, aeronautic, and uh, one of the engineers was at a winery in, in Sacramento, near there, and he interested him in the wine winemaking, and that's because of him that he started the winery here, because of that friend he has uh, as an, in engineering. Mm -hmm. um, he got unfortunately killed in a in an accident. He was doing a U-turn and he didn't see coming and he got, he oh. see somebody coming and he got killed on the crash. <clears throat> I was pretty hard on Scott Henry. Yeah, Scott is a very nice guy. I don't know if he talked that much. He's not very maybe loquacious, but he, he'll talk, I know, he'll talk pretty well. Uh, Oh, a lizard! See the lizard? See on on the on the oh, wow. lizard. Oh my gosh! See? 
they are, they are knowing each other. They are seeing each other. See, <laughs> look at that. They are fighting, or something. Oh, there's another one up there. Oh, up on the yeah, stone. Oh my God! You got a whole family. The whole family is there. They like that place. Look <laughs> at <got> that. <laughs> well, it's lucky my cat don't see them. <laughs> yeah, because they have two cats, but they're they're getting old and lazy. You know, they go out mainly at night. Mm. <clears throat> there is some of the people that are. Um, one of them is very loquacious. You know, I mean, he talk a lot. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Marchand Vineyard. Okay. Marchand. He, co he come from the east, Marchand. And he's kind of a um, spicy character, you know? Okay. He's, he's uh, I like him. He's, uh, he's kind of spicy. He, he does, uh, <clears throat> what he does a lot in his winery, he does classical music concert. Mm. Short, 30 bucks a ticket, but um, he, he, he has some uh, following. Some people come for that, for that classical music, even though they don't think. I think I want to some, do some near my winery too sometime because I have a friend here in. I, I love classical music, and she's a violin teacher in, uh, in Rosberg, and she's uh, very good. We heard you play the violin. Huh? We heard that you play the violin. Yeah, I play the violin. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I play. Uh, I play mainly when I'm by myself because uh, I play. I play with my. I put a CD on and I play with the CD. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's nice because you don't hear so much the mistake you may do. You know, right? <laughs> the, the CD can cover it up. <laughs> violin is pretty hard to play well. Mm. Yeah, it is pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah, there is a, I guess we're diverging now, we're not talking about the wine. Well, but see myself, it's kind of good we diverge because I am not stuck on something. Like I'm not stuck on wine. I'd like to make good wine. I'd like to make something special, but it's not an obsession. Mm. Like, um, same thing with violin, same thing with uh, music. I love music, you know, I'm not stuck on anything. And I, I folk dance too, I like to folk dance. I'm kind of, a, I have a side artist, you know, yeah. So, I am, I, um, because, you know, like, if you say you're a doctor or you're MD, it's false. You're much more than an MD. Mm. You you're a human being first, you know. You're all kind of other thing besides being an MD, and why should you ignore it? See what I mean? Matter of fact, that's the trouble of experts or specialists. They specialize in a field and they become stupid in their field. You know, they become. They become stuck and obsessed. And I'm not like that. I think uh, I think life is made to be open to the whole universe. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like 
I have a hard time to change my taste in music, like um, modern, like rock. I think to me rock is an abomination. <laughs> it's a, uh -huh. it's a music of the devil. You see, because it has that beat, <coughs> like mm -hmm. you, like you, like a heartbeat that is in in panic. You know. <coughs> I mean, that's not, to me, that's not music. It's not something you can relax and, and, and dream with it. No, it's mm -hmm. something to make you, you know? <laughs> See what I mean? Yes. So it's an abomination. It's, uh, it's the music of the devil to me. <clears throat> yeah. I'm a classically trained singer, so I happen to agree with you very much on oh, that. Wow, you're yeah. a classic singer. Wow, you can sing the opera? Mm-hmm. Yes, wow. trained to sing arias, mostly Italian, but I have done Italian, French and German. Yeah, sure. So just as you said, you know, I'm huh? passionate about history, yeah. but then I have other things that I'm oh, passionate wow, about. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, there's some beautiful aria in melody. <clears throat> there's some, I don't know if you, you may know the, the Pearl Fisherman, it's a, it's, an, it's a French opera from, from, who is it, Forêt? No. It's not Debussy, it's not, it's not Saint-Saëns. Even though Saint-Saëns is nice, um, the one with uh, Samson, you know, Dalila. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very renowned dialogue. But the Pearl Fisherman is two men that sing a duo. And this is fantastic. They have different tone and it's very floating, you know, it's just like the sea, you know. Wow, mm -hmm. I'll look it up, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a very renowned duo in the Pearl Fisherman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Philippe, I think that was all of my wine-related questions. So if you'd like, we can go ahead and unhook and turn the camera off. To do what? We can go ahead and unplug and turn the camera sure, off if you'd like. Sure, sure. Sure, if you, you think you have enough, enough uh, material. Definitely. We went through all of my questions and I much did. more, oh, yes. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.